We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great wars, a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. And we're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Chuck Palahniuk, Fight Club. Welcome to Navigating Authenticity, a podcast that explores what it means to be authentic. My name is Sydney Ward and I'm a graduate student at Pittsburgh State University in Kansas. I'm 24 years old and grew up on social media. I started a MySpace page and a Zanga account when I was 13 and I've been on social networking sites ever since. Recently, I've started noticing a trend on Instagram where photos of young, beautiful adults are seen eating organic, fresh food while hiking mountains on adventures. They hashtag live authentic. Go to your Instagram app or Instagram.com and type it in. Hashtag live authentic. Seriously, try it. Now, don't get me wrong. I like to eat fresh foods and go hiking, but I rarely have the time and resources to do it. I always wonder if I'm not living as authentic of a life as my social media connections. How is it that we are the same age, yet they don't seem to have the money, time, and energy concerns that I do? So that's what this podcast is. Week by week, we're going to dive in and discover exactly what being authentic really means. We'll talk to some people, see what they think, and do some self-reflection. This week, we are starting off with the self, and since I have no other self but myself, I'll do most of the talking. What is an authentic self? There's research out there saying that our authentic selves are innate. Freud believed that authenticity was the central component to our primary narcissism, that only the authentic would be self-actualized and the false self would be temporary and cause us pain. What he's saying and what psychoanalytic theory is saying is that this false self is a version of that which is polite, socially adapted, what is acceptable by society. An example of a false self is one that is based on great outward success, meaning a person who feels like a fake, the more they are successful. So the more that they succeed in their job, the more they feel like this isn't right, I shouldn't be doing this. Some psychoanalytic theorists question the existence of an authentic self at all, because our impulses have to be tamed. Taming these impulses prevent us from being fully alive. We examine ourselves only because there are divergent claims or because there are other people not like us. So we know I am not this because and fill in the blanks as we go. I am not a man because I am a woman or I am white because I am not black. Going further, it means that we know it is not acceptable to go into public fully nude. We see others not doing this, so we know we shouldn't. We go to college because others go to college and we see ourselves more successful than those who don't go to college on and on it goes. Our makeup is one of constant comparison. Communication theorists believe authenticity is a social construct, that our communities, society, parents, schools, churches, what have you, shape our notions of what is authentic and accepted. 
To them, authenticity is a claim that is made by or for someone or something, or a performance that is either accepted or rejected by those who opinions are most valued by that person. So if authenticity is constructed and subject to continual change based on our communities and our surroundings and those who we value opinions from, it clearly takes an effort to appear authentic. So wherever this authentic self comes from, it can be a source of problems as well. Take, for example, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga is known for her outrageous fashion, but recently has had several surgeries to fix problems caused by her extremely high-heeled shoes. Lady Gaga is expected to dress outrageously. She's expected to wear these high-heeled shoes, but, um, you know, we are those who her opinion is most valued. Her fans, the people who buy the albums, who spend money at her concerts. So if they're saying, hey, to be Lady Gaga, you gotta wear the crazy shoes, then she's gonna wear the crazy shoes. But it literally caused her pain. People like James Dean, Hank Williams, and Mary Marilyn Monroe died trying to live the lifestyle portrayed for them in movies and the media. So having that pressure, that feeling of this is what I have to do to be accepted for who I am and what I'm doing in my craft is an extreme source of stress. Researcher Richard Peterson believes that the most valuable keepers of collective memory the end users, the critics, historians, teachers, documentary makers, etc. More of a voice in authentication than the original subject. So Hank Williams is a country music artist because country music critics and fans and the people who buy the albums say he is. Lady Gaga has outrageous clothing and outrageous concerts because her fans like it and they come. There ain't no cure. So like Lady Gaga, we may know that everyone wants us to wear high heels all the time, but we know we can't, or at least it's difficult for us. Meaning we do things that do not feel right to us, are difficult for us, or cause us great stress, all because we know that it is what's expected of us to do. We are told by everyone to find our great passions and pick a good college major and do our dream job. Basically, if we do things right, if there's some magic formula, a great impulse will bloom inside us and we'll see, finally, with clarity, just over the horizon, what it is we are meant to do in this world. I'm 24, working on my second degree, on my third or fourth job in the last two years, and I still don't know what that is, so I'm not holding out for the magic formula theory. Researcher Anders Peterson puts it perfectly. When he says, The individual is quite simply under extreme pressure to meet this demand and consequently under enormous social pressure to live up to the norms that that demand implies. And he goes on to say, This authentic self-realization has become a demanding performance which we must continue to stage to feel our value. If we aren't growing, then we're disintegrating. This loose, lofty definition of authenticity and passion puts us under considerable stress. We may be very aware of what we are supposed to do, but we can't feel the demand. We know that the concertgoers are expecting a five-inch stiletto Lady Gaga 
but we can't do it. We become depressed when we are sitting on the sideline, watching everyone do the dance, but us. During my research for this project, I found an article interesting to me about linking perfectionism to depression, as both a self-diagnosed perfectionist and a clinician-diagnosed depressed person. I didn't see the link. My perfectionist habits make me feel extremely good about myself. I love seeing everything clean, organized in its place. I love seeing clothing and the shoes coordinated by color and season. Well, I mean, I did feel that way until I read this. Perfectionists are motivated by insecurity and seek acceptance through accomplishments and faultless behavior. Perfectionism provides the means whereby insecure individuals can consider themselves acceptable both to themselves and to others. This is perhaps why perfectionism can become a core aspect of identity that individuals are reluctant to give up and why it is difficult to treat. That's from Joe Scott in the Journal of Rational, Emotive, and Cognitive Behavior Theory. So as kooky as Freud can be, what with the Oedipus mother-son relationship stuff and all of that aside, I did learn something from psychoanalytic theory that finally put everything into place for me. It told me the words that I really couldn't say about how I was feeling. He says there's a discrepancy between who I am and who I ought to be. This discrepancy, this need to dance the ought to dance, this need to be part of society, this is my authenticity pit. This is what has formed the industry that has made millions capitalizing on our insecurities through the form of self-help books. It's a market worth billions, a group trying to help us navigate the conversation happening in our head. Do I like to shower? I absolutely detest it, but I have to shower. I ought to shower. Societal acceptance dictates it. It is who I ought to be. However, the self-pity I feel for myself when others on Instagram are hiking the Rockies or exploring the beach only immerses me in my own time and money problems. Self-pity for not being as thin or pretty or well-off as friends makes me ignore good friendships and isolates me. However, there's a new concept of self-compassion that encourages us to be in touch with our own suffering. Researcher Kristen Neff explains self-compassion is a more Eastern concept, which for those of you who don't know, we are a Western society. Eastern societies are more concerned with communities than the individual. So think opposite of Donald Trump or most of America. It takes the self-evaluation process out of the picture, focusing on compassion and recognition of yourself as part of humanity rather than judging yourself. It gives rise to behaviors like eating well, exercising more, or actually leaving work on time or taking time off for yourself, which by the way, I will never understand people who don't use all of their vacation days. You can't love your job that much. You can't. I don't even care if you're a Disney princess at Disney World. You, you don't, you can't. 
So if we looked our emotions in the face and really recognized them for what they are, maybe we wouldn't need to self-medicate with food, drugs, alcohol, video games, what have you. We could work towards some self-understanding, compassion, and forgiveness. Forgiveness for ourselves that aren't a size two, for still having acne, for not passing the last exam, and for not having as many Instagram likes as the girl next to us. We'll be okay with our failures and work towards improvements, like taking care of our bodies and our minds with good food and some time off. So with this thought, maybe if we're a little kinder to ourselves, we can be a little kinder to others. I don't know if it's necessarily more authentic of a self, but at least it's a nicer self. We can empathize more instead of comparing ourselves to others. We won't judge ourselves so harshly and maybe lay off the judgment of others too. We will be less self-absorbed, less isolated, and a little more in touch with our feelings. And maybe, just maybe, we'll share those feelings with other people before it gets too late for us or for them. Definitely something I'm going to at least try to practice. Of course, once I get my closet color-coded and perfect and everything in its place. I don't know if I could forgive myself or cut myself a break on that one. Navigating Authenticity is produced by me, Sydney Ward. I'd love to talk with you and get your input about these topics, so head to my blog at authenticitypodcast.blogspot.com so we can chat about it. You can also subscribe to my SoundCloud feed, search Navigating Authenticity. Music is provided by Ryan Anselmi and The Gold Magnolias. You can check both out at rnselmi.com and thegoldmagnolias.com. Links to research and music can be found on my blog. Thanks for listening.